Hey listeners, quick question. Are you tired of overpaying for your mobile plan? I've got the answer. Ting Mobile. Ting Mobile is all about flexibility and savings. You only pay for what you use, no crazy fees or overages. It's perfect for those who want control over their phone bill without sacrificing quality. Say goodbye to bloated phone bills. Go to foxcitiesmm.com slash ting. Ting Mobile. Mobile that makes sense. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. And Gavin, what do you got for us? Well, let me start out and say, this probably will be the worst episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem we've ever done and may ever do. It's why Why is that? Sheer coincidence here. So, on a recent uh, recent episode of the Milwaukee Mafia Patreon, which <laughs> people should definitely sign up for, it's only $2 a month. Anyway, in a recent, <laughs> in a recent episode, you had talked to me about the idea of you pitch a book and, you know, when you pitch a book, you only have to be like 10 or 20% done. And then you're like, well, what happens then if you don't have enough material to get to the end of the book? Okay. Right? Is is this an example of not the, having enough mater- this material? Is, this is exactly that. So <laughs> so what so what happens is for these episodes, I've got a week or two weeks tops to like throw these things together. And I usually know within the first couple of days if it's going to work. And this one, I was like, okay, I got this material. It, it's, it'll be good enough. I mean, this... I shouldn't say this would be the worst episode ever, even though it will be. Um, but but there's there's more things I would have liked to know that I just couldn't get, at least not in the time limit that I had. So so this is an example of that where there just wasn't enough to completely fill in everything that I'd like. That that actually kind of like that because that gives me a lot of speculation room. There's a lot so, of speculation room, and I won't have any answers for you. Yeah, so. <laughs> But next time is better. Okay. <laughs> Promise that, because I already know the next one is better. Uh, but anyway, so this time, this is the the Elky Brothers of Seymour. I and I'm assuming that's how you say the name. It's E L K E Y. I don't know how else you would say that besides Elky. Uh, this is the story of four brothers. Uh, they're Seymour, Wisconsin, so a little bit north of Appleton. The four brothers are John Merton. Adolf and Alfonso. Try to keep that straight, but, you know, if you don't, you don't. And we're in the 1890s. Ooh, jump back here. Yeah, so we're going back this time. August 1894. The bank at Seymour was robbed by someone who had dug in from the outside wall. (laughs) Nice. But they didn't dig into the vault. They just dug into the bank itself. And they took $50 in a sort of change that was left sitting out of the vault. <laughs> Soon after, the local marshal arrested Adolf Elke, along with William Roloff and John DeFoy. The first two pleaded guilty, but John DeFoy denied any involvement. He said, yes, I was caught with some of the money, but I didn't steal it. It came to me after the fact. So, But Roloff and Elke, they pleaded guilty, and they also admitted to several other thefts. When authorities discovered that Roloff, who was a tinsmith, had made a set of keys that fit in various store locks around town. Hmm. 
So they went uh, they went to jail for a little while for that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't don't dig in through bank walls <laughs> and don't make sets of keys to local businesses. And if you're going to dig into a bank wall, you should probably try to get into the vault because if yeah. I mean, that must have been a lot of work for $50 in mixed change. Well, but it's $50 in the 1890s. Yeah, so that's it's, true. So it's that's true. It's yeah. decent. All right. That was 1894. 1897, Adolf Elke is back out of prison. This time he's in Seymour again, suspected of stealing grain. <laughs> you know how it is. <laughs> Low aspirations for his thievery, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the police grabbed him knowing that he was the grain thief, but he broke away free and he went on the run for a few months. Then he was caught again after those few months and he was put in the Appleton jail. But guess what? He found an old knife, and he was able to dig his way out <laughs> of the Appleton jail. He was soon recaptured when two Oneida Indian friends of his turned him into the sheriff. What crappy friends they yeah. were. Uh, and I'd like to make a detour here for just a second um, to say that in the 1890s, Appleton, or Outagamie County, um, had what was called a rotary jail. And a rotary jail is wacky. It is a wacky thing. Picture, like, on a playground, like, a merry-go-round, okay? Yeah, okay. That is what this is. It's it's a circle. The jail is a circle. It's got one door. And, like, it rotates. So when you rotate it, the door goes to different cells in the jail. So it can't be that big, you know? I don't know how many cells are in it, but it's the 1890s, so, you know, not that many. But, like, what a weird thing. <laughs> like... Yeah, oh, I want to go see this prisoner. Oh, I got to rotate the door around the circle. Ironically, um, you know who oh, I should, I probably shouldn't say his name, but a lo- a local a local actor here made I don't know if he made the movie or if he was just in the movie, but I saw the movie and it was about one of those jails. Really? Yeah. Why can't you say his name? Well, I just I don't think it's appropriate to say his name on the podcast for the world to hear. So, I guess he's an actor, so I could say it. But did he do something wrong? No, oh. no, 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 no. But I'm like, I only, I only don't say people's names so I don't get like sued. Or <laughs> but, but I mean, if he all did was make a movie, yeah. But but yeah. So there's actually, I I want to say there's one in like Indiana or Pennsylvania, maybe that's still you can go and see. I, I'm that's, sure. Yeah, like this apparently was a pretty popular design at this time in the 1890s, and it was like they had to rotate it. To the do- like, there was only one door for all the cells or something yeah, like yeah. that, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so it's really weird, but that was, I guess, the style at the time. Anyway, so uh, he's turned back into the jail because his Oneida buddies turned him in, and now he says, "You know what? Yes, I was stealing grain, but guess what? I was doing it for Doctor Alexander Richards, who was the veterinarian in Seymour." He says. Richards kept buying the grain off of me for 25 cents a bag, which is apparently a good price. <laughs> so he's like, I just kept stealing it and selling it to the <laughs> to the veterinarian. Uh, so they arrested the veterinarian. Uh, but then by the time it went to trial, he changed his story again. And he's like, oh, I was just kidding. I didn't really sell it to him. <laughs> the veterinarian doesn't know anything about it. So This guy sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. So he ends up going, uh, going to prison for 15 months for stealing grain. So don't steal grain. All right. So while he is, this is this is Adolf. While Adolf is in prison, we switch over to his brother Alfonso. <laughs> his brother Alfonso 
Uh, this is again the 1890s. He's a barber and he elopes with a woman named Dora Fraser. Uh, and they were married by a country pastor just outside of Seymour. Fraser family opposed the marriage because the Elkie family had a bad reputation. <laughs> Besides Adolf, who was a known grain thief and bank robber, uh, another brother named Jim also had a terrible reputation, and a fourth brother named Merton was often in and out of the poorhouse. So they said these Elkies are all in prison or in like or getting welfare checks. These guys don't marry this family. <laughs> Dora, aged 18, had no father because her father had died while constructing a jail at Stevens Point. <laughs> In the middle of building the jail, the ceiling collapsed and killed him. I wonder if it was a round jail. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but her father, her father was never sentenced to jail, but he died in jail anyway. Uh, following the marriage, uh, Alfonso and Dora briefly lived in Green Bay before they returned to Seymour. On April 11th, 1898... Alfonso was arrested in Seymour for killing his wife. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then attempting to kill himself. The shooting occurred at the house that they shared with her mother. They had been married less than a year, roughly eight months. They frequently fought, and threats of murder were not uncommon. On the day of the murder, the fighting started before noon concerning some unwarranted jealousy. When Alfonso went to the grocery store to borrow a revolver... He told the store owner, I need the revolver because I need to go home and shoot a stray cat. <laughs> so they gave him that. He shot his wife twice, uh, and then he shot himself once, but the wound was not serious enough to cause death. All right, so right now Adolf is the better son than, than Alfonso. Fair so. enough. <laughs> Fair enough. While in jail, Alfonso told reporters that his jealousy was warranted because his wife would run off to Grand Rapids and Stevens Point, on multiple occasions with another man, on the day of the murder, she was going to board a train to Stevens Point, and Alfonso was sure that it was to meet this man. He's like, oh, I'll totally justify it. Yeah. Somebody, Dora, should, somebody should probably uh, explain to him the laws yeah. that, that know that you can't kill your wife just because she's cheating on you. <laughs> yeah. Dora, the wife, had a very large funeral in Seymour. She had lived in her younger days, uh, with the city's Presbyterian minister. Uh, so, you know, he gave a very nice speech at the funeral. Uh, said she was very good. Her character was perfect. Um, friends told reporters that Dora was not with a man in Stevens Point or Grand Rapids. Um, they have no idea where he got this idea from. That's just not a thing. Asking around, they found out that the accused man... Uh, turned out to be a, a guy who worked on the train that ran between Green Bay and Grand Rapids. But this man was married with several children of his own. He was considered a respected citizen and had been a friend of her parents for many years. So there was no rumor of anything going on between these two. So whatever. I don't know. Alfonso ends up pleading guilty to second-degree murder, and he was sentenced to 15 years in prison. All right. All right. Shortly after this, Adolf, the first brother, the grain thief, is back out of jail. Uh, but then he gets arrested and goes back in jail in De Pere for selling liquor to Oneida Indians. <laughs> it was illegal to sell liquor to Oneida Indians. Um, so all his Oneida buddies, he, he thought he was doing them a favor, but he was not. Do you know what 
could they Oneida Indians not buy liquor on like the reservation or something that I'm not sure how they could get it because it wasn't legal. It actually like the law. It's, I've seen the law itself. You can't sell it to any anyone who's fifty percent or more Indian. You okay. can't you can't sell them any kind of alcohol. It, that law's gone now, of course. But but for a very long time, that was the law. If somebody was 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 half or more Indian, no booze for them. Weird. Yeah. It, and that was back in the 1800s, so. Yeah, but it continued on up to the early 1900s. That law was on the books a long time. Okay. <laughs> that is weird. Uh, you want me to detour? I can tell you why. Yeah, I would. Okay. See, this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> so, I don't know the exact reason, but part of the reason is... What happened in the early 1800s is when they first set up reservations, the tribes would get annuities. Like the federal government would come once a year and they'd bring like cash payments to them. And the French fur traders, or not even French fur traders, fur traders at this point, some of them were French, but whatever, you know, they knew this day was coming, the annuity payment day. So what they would do is they would show up like a day or two before and they would sell booze to the Indians. So when the annuity payment day came, they were drunk. <laughs> and, okay. they, and they would swindle them out of their money. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a direct connection, but I know after that, they it was made illegal for them to sell alcohol to them for that reason. Because they'd, they'd get like these $1,000 checks or whatever. I don't know the exact amount, but whatever. And yeah. they, then they'd be like, Oh hey, you're really drunk. How about you buy these nice? Ooh, look at this these trinkets I have here, and they'd be like, sure. Ah. <laughs> so, so the government. So it's actually it was it was started for a good reason. It wasn't like we're going to be mean to the Indians and not let them have booze. It was we're going to try to protect them from these fur traders who keep stealing their money. And I assume then the law didn't say like they could make their own booze or whatever. I assume. You assume, but they just couldn't buy it from... Right. It wasn't that they couldn't they couldn't possess it or they couldn't drink it. Like, that was never never the part thing. of the law. They just couldn't buy it from... They couldn't buy it from white people. Well, basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, he's in, he's in jail in Tapir for this. And he almost escapes after he saws off his leg shackles in one of the window bars. But he's discovered by a guard. And he tells the guard, I'm just fooling. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to see if I could do it. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. really gonna. Break it's like if out. I really wanted to, I would have been gone by now. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just fooling. That's the last we hear of Adolf. What happens to him? I don't know. Uh, I'm sure he continues to be a troublemaker, yeah. but we don't hear from him anymore. Third brother, John Elke. Now we're up to 1903. John Elke goes violently insane, and he bursts into an attorney's office, assaulting the attorney and breaking his arm. He then throws the attorney out into the street and barricades himself into the in the attorney's office with a rifle. He leans out the windows and shouts at people walking by that he would like to shoot them. <laughs> of course, eventually the police get him out of there uh, and he's arrested. He's brought to trial first to face a sanity trial uh, to see is this guy is this crime or is this guy nuts? Uh, the newspaper said, you know, he, he's going to go to the asylum, and they said. First of all, this guy's obviously nuts. But second of all, he'd, he'd already served time in the asylum before. Apparently, after his brother Alfonso killed his wife, John became so depressed 
because of it that he went insane. Wow. So he was he was in the Oshkosh Asylum because he was depressed about his brother having to go to prison for killing his wife. Weird. And then he gets out of the asylum and he goes nuts and barricades himself in an attorney's office for no clear reason. So, like, he didn't have a connection or anything that we could find to no. this attorney. No, it's not like he's mad at this attorney for something. It's just... It just happened to be the place. <laughs> he just picked that place to go. Yeah. Okay. That's the last we hear of John. The fourth brother is Merton. And the only thing... Merton is not, as far as I can tell, a really bad guy. Uh, he's kind of... We mentioned him briefly earlier because this is the guy who's, like, always getting financial support. He has trouble holding down a job and stuff like that. He dies at 49 years old, relatively young. The reason he's part of this story is because after he dies, his widow, Fanny, marries his brother, Alfonso, the wife killer. Okay. So, you know, that's what you do. Like, when your spouse dies, you marry her their, their sibling. Yeah. Right? Who happens to be a killer. Yeah, like... Oh, no, my husband died. I'll marry his wife-killing brother. <laughs> sure, why not? So now we jump We jump forward many years, all the way up to October 1921. Alfonso, the wife-killer, is drunk. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's not going where you think it's going. Oh, it's not? Okay. No. He's driving his automobile on the wrong side of the road in, uh, in Townsend in Ocano County. He crashes and he dies. He was thrown from the vehicle and apparently was able to wander back to the vehicle before he died of heart failure. <laughs> when they run an autopsy on him, even though he was thrown through, you know, the vehicle into the road, he didn't have any broken bones or internal bleeding. He was just shocked to death and had a heart attack. <laughs> Weird. Fanny, his wife, sued the county for $5,000. She said it was their fault. Because there had been a tree that was falling in the road, and this was why he was swerving erratically and driving on the wrong side, and why he crashed. The county said, no, we're not going to pay that. <laughs> and, surprise, the county won. Because <laughs> apparently, uh, if you crash and you die when you're drunk driving, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> so... So the, the county did not have to pay. But that's that's all I have. But I just... It it was weird. It was weird to me that I got well, really three brothers, but three brothers who, for a, a period of time there, seemed to have really bad, bad run-ins with with the law, and at least one who's crazy, if not the other. I mean, the others may be crazy too. I don't know, but it is a pretty, pretty di kind of alarming family. Just how yeah off they were, and I can totally see. How you would have started researching this and thinking, oh my God, I just stumbled upon a gold mine. Yeah. Because it's like its trajectory is like, oh, this is going to be a really, really superb story. And then it just kind of ends, you know? And that's exactly the thing. That's why I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it's the worst episode. I mean, it probably is, but, but that's it. Like, I don't have an ending to it because, because these guys are getting caught and they're going to prison and then they just stop being in the newspaper. So... I don't know, other than the guy crashes drunk, I don't know what ends up with these guys. If they, one, they decide they're not going to be criminals anymore or what? Because they just, they disappear. There's no story after that. And it's kind of interesting also because this kind of goes back to, I, I believe, the last episode of Mayhem we had. Yes. Where, again, Alfonso, I mean, he didn't 
he wasn't married as long as the guy from the last episode was. Well, he was married longer than the guy. Oh, oh, you mean the second time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the second time he was only, he was probably married for twenty years, but he got out, got out of prison for killing his wife, and then was seems like pretty. I mean, he not. Well, I have no idea. Yeah, but, I guess but, you but, didn't but look he, into. But he didn't kill his second wife. Yeah, he, he didn't kill his second wife. He, yeah, he, he at least lit, went twenty years without. Yeah, doing anything terribly bad, and I mean, yes, he has a story where he gets killed driving drunk, but yeah. a lot of normal people have that story yeah. too. At oh, some ab- point, right? In time. Absolutely, so, absolutely. So uh, that's just kind of an interesting side note to that. Though. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, there is definitely some parallel there where he's he's a younger guy, clearly has emotional issues. <laughs> if he thinks his wife is having this wild affair you know, miles away and then kills her. And, you know, not that, again, not that that's cool, but you're right. Apparently once he matures a little bit, he's okay. Okay, yeah. So, and, or maybe, maybe prison taught him to be a better person. Maybe prison taught him to be a better person. Or maybe he got out and he was a terrible person, but he at least was. He was better at, better at at not getting caught. So, yeah. So I think, I think there is a story here. This just isn't quite it. I think, I think it, it misses the mark of a solid story. Yeah. But and it would be more interesting to have a little more like okay, what happens to a font or Adolf, Adolf in stuff like that. I'd you like know. to know what happened all because okay, so <laughs> this is we we tell true crime stories on this podcast it, or history a little bit, you know. We mix true crime and history. But this this story appealed to me um as a sociology story. Which we totally don't do on this podcast, <laughs> but but like I think this is like a cool little snapshot of a family, mostly within the 1890s, so within a relatively short period of time, you know. And there's some serious troubles going yeah, on here. Yeah. So it's like it's a disturbed family. I mean, yeah. there was some problems. So like, what's there. what's going on here? Like, are there three just bad brothers, or is there some bigger story going on? I yeah, don't know. Yeah, like how. What happened to these kids? Because they were all brothers, yeah. so they grew up together. So, so yeah. probably the same single occurrence, something happened in their lives that sent them down these paths. Right. Wouldn't you say, like, they might? Right. They probably had a really rough childhood? Maybe. Didn't you say? Or maybe no, maybe they didn't. Maybe maybe they had a great childhood and there, there's just something really wrong, wrong with these guys. These, yeah. but, but that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see if there was... You know, not that it makes it okay to kill people and steal grain, but I'd like to see if there was something that kind of triggered this and this family problem. It's my belief that there had to have been. There was yeah. something that happened because I don't think and I don't think evil people are created. I think evil people are made. I would say for the most part, yeah. Yeah. So I mean there's probably people that are created more evil than other people, yeah. but in the end, something has to happen to you to push you to do something. I mean, the terrible. evil is people. They clearly have some some brain issues that were they were born with. But yes, right. right. But, but I I agree in the in the general sense, you're not born a criminal. Right. Right. It's it's your surroundings and things that happen to you that kind of push you to that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, well, I I will declare that I don't think it's, it was the worst story. Okay. It, it definitely is the most incomplete story. It is incomplete, yes. How's that? So. It's incomplete. So, 
Um, if anybody out there is a member of the Elkie family in Seymour... And it has more information. It has more information. information we uh, would yeah. love to finish this story off. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see more about the Seymour about Seymour story. Yeah, other than that, unless I, unless I get records from the prison or the asylum, I don't think there's a lot more out there. Because I was really thorough with the newspaper stuff, so... It was still a good story. It's okay. You know. It's all right. All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else? I got sure? one last thing. Oh, he does have one last. I'm gonna thing. I'm gonna give you a choice. Okay. I like next choices. next time, do you want a story about the Outagamie County Asylum, the Appleton Asylum, or do you want another Kakana murder? I would like the actually the Appleton Asylum. Okay. Because I didn't even know there was an asylum in Appleton. Okay, then that's so. that's what people can expect next time. And then the week after that, though, we're cruising back to Kakana. Probably, it, and and it's the last major Kakana <laughs> murder. murder. So, so. Um, after after that story is told, we might not get a lot of Kakana after that. But so so we have to drop that ongoing joke of. Everybody has to be have some tie to Kakana. Yeah, see, there wasn't any this time, was there? <laughs> no. Not one. No connection at all. So. so, All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will be back in two weeks with another episode. And as always, thanks for your continued support. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.